monotonously alike all the great tyrants and conquerors have been. How gloriously different the saints. C.S. Lewis Welcome to the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight, no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and today we're looking at a literary art form that can be, by its very nature, revisionist history. I'm talking about hagiography. If you're scratching your head right now because you have no clue what hagiography is, you're not alone. The word is used even less frequently now than the genre itself. It's taken from the ancient Greek, the combination of two words, hagios, meaning holy, and graphia, meaning writing. Basically, a hagiography is a biography of a saint or other spiritually noteworthy person. And while it can be found across all world religions, it's most common in Christianity, particularly Catholic and Orthodox Christianity. Christian hagiographies tell the story of the lives, deeds, and sometimes miracles of both those already canonized by the church and those whom adherents believe ultimately should be declared saints. I should say at the start that we are not looking today at what is often termed hagiography by book reviewers, namely purely positive accounts of current political figures, either through biography or more commonly, ghost-written autobiography. These books, which are little more than book-length political ads, are often pejoratively called hagiography by reviewers because they see the art form itself as inherently dishonest. The problem is that by attaching the word hagiography to these fawning tomes, the entire genre is tainted. This is unfortunate because I think hagiography, real hagiography, has an important place in the study of history. Let's look at why. First of all, these lives of the saints, while not scholarly, researched accounts as we expect from history today, did provide important information about more than just the subject of the account. In telling the story of a holy man or woman, they by necessity included details about military, political, economic, and social events that we find nowhere else especially during the period from the 1st century A.D. through the Dark Ages and even beyond. For example, accounts of the life of St. Teresa of Avila would have touched on, if only briefly, historical events ranging from the discovery of the New World to the Inquisition to the Reformation and Counter-Reformation, because she was born only 20 years after Columbus sailed to America and died during the Council of Trent. These would, as I said, be only brief mentions in many cases, but even these, and even biased as they were toward a particular worldview, provide an insight into what people thought of these historical events at the time, and thus they give us a fuller picture of the actual history. These hagiographies are an important source material also because they are, in many cases, the only accounts that survive a specific early period. This is because books were copied by hand, usually by monks, which was a time-intensive, 
and costly process. The limited resources of the monasteries were by necessity devoted to what they saw as crucial, preserving and copying the Bible, accounts of the life of Christ, and the lives of the saints. As it was believed that to imitate the saints was to imitate Christ, these accounts were naturally preserved as teaching tools. The third reason I believe hagiographies deserve attention in any study of history is that they, again for the most part, show us the lives of ordinary people from antiquity to today. It's very rare that a saint was famous prior to their canonization. Pope John Paul II and Mother Teresa being two notable recent exceptions. So while we would still have a plethora of information about George Washington if we'd never had the story of him chopping down the cherry tree, political hagiography at its most amusing, without the hagiographers, we likely would never have heard of St. Francis of Assisi, a man who's been an inspiration to people from all walks of life for nearly 800 years. Over the centuries, people from varying political and religious viewpoints have sought to claim Francis as their own, very often revising history in the process. But the fact that we're discussing a wandering mendicant friar 800 years later and analyzing the time in which he lived is a good thing, historically speaking. I subtitled this episode History or Hoax for a specific reason. Many historians will claim that hagiographies are worthless for real study because they include miracles, from St. George slaying the dragon to St. Teresa levitating to St. Francis receiving the stigmata. On this point, I would argue that the miracle stories do not in any way detract from the history the accounts contain. They stand as history totally apart from this. Whether you believe the miracles, just like whether you believe in the resurrection of Christ, is a matter of faith, not history. And as Thomas Jefferson proved with his Jefferson Bible, you can study and admire the man totally apart from any supernatural aspects. Whether this is the right or wrong way to go about it is up to theologians, not historians. So I say read some hagiographies as part of your historical study. A really good place to start is G.K. Chesterton's book, St. Francis of Assisi. If you've never read Chesterton, you're in for a treat because he is an amazing writer and he presents a very balanced view of Francis. As for the political hagiographies, we'll just give those a pass. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming, please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. It'll go a long way towards helping us create more episodes and hopefully becoming completely ad-free. Thanks a lot.